This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Doing better. Hopefully I sound better. Uh, I think I do. Yeah. I was sick all last week longer than a week uh but for podcast recording like you could hear it all last week and uh i think there's a little still congestion in there but i i don't feel terrible when i'm recording right now it's important you know you sound so much better and i'm a little sad because football is officially over until the combine the schedule release the draft day otas all of the fun stuff this offseason the nfl offseason is kind of short after you get out of February because then you get into all the free agency talk. But I'm, I'm a little bummed. I'm a little bummed no more football on the weekends. Yeah. Um, so, like, right now I've kind of got the I can breathe feeling <laughs> because we just covered such a long season. So I even felt that during the Super Bowl. I was like, I hate the Bengals aren't in this, but, you know, as somebody who creates content, I am a little bit glad that I have a tiny bit of I don't need to do this right now. Uh, so it gets right back into a grind because we've got the draft. You got the free agency and then there's another break. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to miss it pretty soon, especially when uh, we get past the draft and everything. But right now I'm a, I'm a little bit of uh Sure. Well, the Super Bowl is last night. A lot of people moving on. Chiefs obviously won another Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, two Super Bowls in four years, and that's a pretty big deal uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But when I watched that game, and I'm not sure how you felt about it, with Philadelphia, I was very surprised that the D-line wasn't producing any sacks. But I know the field conditions weren't great for the Super Bowl, which is really surprising, even though they spent about 800 k to fix the field for this big game. But I'm not going to lie, watching Philly out there, at least defensively, I thought, mm, Joe Joe probably could have cooked with that secondary. Yeah, so the – I mean, the credit to the Kansas City offensive line, which was very good mm-hmm. in this game. Yes. Um, shout out Andrew Wiley, I think, stepped up the most against Hassan Reddick, who I thought was like a dark horse Super Bowl MVP pick. And, hey. So I'm not giving those type of bets on here. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Uh, the field conditions kind of stunk, and that hurt for him. It was kind of similar feeling to uh, the Bengals-Bills snow game, where it felt like those guys just couldn't really get off the ball the same way they normally can. And go with that, when they tried to change direction, so many slips and falls, especially when a field looks fine, I feel like you kind of get that confidence of, like, you're just going to keep – doing what you normally do meanwhile in like the snow game you're probably going like okay i know my footing isn't going to be perfect on this blah 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 shout out the chiefs offensive line they stepped up i don't know if the Bengals offensive line could have given the same performance you probably would have had jonah williams and alex kappa out there uh so that would help but hey uh, trey smith creed humphrey the joe tooney the interior Mm -hmm. really held down chris jones uh or Chris Jones, same team, <laughs> Fletcher Cox and uh, Javon Hargrave. So credit to them. They, they did a great yeah, job. I do did. think the Bengals probably would have been fine against that defense. I don't mm-hmm. know if they would have given the same exact level of performance. It was a very good game, Chiefs. But, yeah, that a lot of, a lot of talk would have gone into it about how the – Eagles were going to dominate the Bengals either because there was a lot of talk about how they were going to dominate the Chiefs offensive line, going to dominate the Bengals offensive line. And uh, 
Who knows? Might not have happened. I don't know. You still have a right tackle issue, whether that yes. would have been Najee, Carmen, whoever. But one issue on the line, much better than having three. And, and honestly, one of the guys I was really impressed with was Jalen Hurts. I know yeah. that that fumble, scoop and score is definitely the difference maker in the game now that you look at the end result of this final result in the score and they get a kick out the pretty much walk off field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I was just I thought, you know, it's a big moment for him. There was a lot of talk. If, if people were taking Kansas City, it was the experience because Patrick Mahomes, he's been there before and, and maybe they'll be just fine. And then you have Andy Reid on the sideline and they'll be able to win this game. But I was just extremely impressed with him. It was unfortunate that he really never got a shot, a real shot at the end to maybe drive down the field and kick a field goal to tie the game or maybe they get in the end zone. Uh, I was just, yeah, just, I, I didn't think that out of all the guys on the field last night, I'd walk away and say Jalen Hurts was the best player, but you can make an argument that he he had a solid night. Very good. Um, it'd be hard, I think, to argue he was the best player just because of that wild fumble. Unforced, both quarterbacks having one of those stupid unforced fumbles in the same playoff run is pretty crazy. Um, unfortunate that Hurts got ran back for a touchdown and Mahomes recovered his own. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Hurts played really, really well. I really wanted to see an attempt at like a two minute drive. I still think the Chiefs win. Like, I, I don't yeah. think that the refs decided the game for the Chiefs or something. Like, I think the Chiefs win either way, but it really did just kind of like deflate the entire feel of the game. Um, because I didn't think the holding call was necessary. <laughs> like regular season in the first, uh, in like three minutes in the first quarter or something, you call that. And I, I would just kind of go like, sure, whatever. I don't know. Play, I probably don't call that at all. And then for that to happen, to give the Chiefs a first down and essentially end the game, not decide the game, but end the game. That kind of stinks for Philly. I would be I would be upset if I was Philadelphia. Back to back Super Bowls uh, holding call might have been a decided actor, but he, he did grab. But it's just he was within a yard of the line of scrimmage, and I didn't see like an egregious tug type of thing. I thought the throw was off. To be honest, I don't think Juju's good enough without a, without a jam or anything to catch that ball. Um, and I think that actually made it look worse as if he got held really bad. Like, oh, look how far off the throw was. But yeah, whatever. I'm not going to complain about it really that much. I think the Chiefs deserved the win. I think it was an awesome Super Bowl. Other than that, it was just last two minutes of the game were just kind of like, ah, this this stinks, you know. Uh, but Hurts played really, really well. I thought the Eagles offensive line played well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, felt, like, felt like everybody on the Eagles offense – played pretty well even though they did get stopped maybe not the running backs i guess i don't know Mm. which i guess that's gonna be a discussion (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah goddard aj brown devonta smith i can think of plays they all made hurts was awesome the offensive line was great so it's like yeah the eagles offense hey they scored like 30 whatever points they had a good game was it 34 37 at the end 30 38 38-35. Oh my gosh, it's right there on the lower third. Why in the world did I not oh, stare yeah. at it? Um, just... right, right in front of us, Nick's like, come on, guys. Uh, but but you, you bring up a good point. Look, I think in the moment, a lot of people watching that game, because there are a lot of eyes on the Super Bowl. They actually said all, out of all the uh, markets watching the United States, Cincinnati was number three on the list, which is just a heartbreaker for all the people that said, hey, I don't want to watch the Super Bowl, but hey, it's the big yeah. game. And and it did live up to a great game. The thing about it is, I think as Bengals fans watch it, as a lot of NFL fans in back-to-back years, and I agree with you. Honestly, before that holding call, I felt like it was an okay game by the officials, and you could say the same thing what happened in the Super Bowl for the Bengals last year. It was an okay game. Of course, I think they missed it on both sides early on. Uh, but in that moment to decide the game like that, I, I just don't like it. Um, yeah, maybe there's a little holding, and, and you heard it after the game. He's like, yeah, I was holding it, but I don't think it was enough to call it to decide the biggest game of the year. And that's just unfortunate. But the thing about all that stuff is, you know, the NFL, whether you know they want to admit it or not, they do have an officiating problem, and, and hopefully they can get that fixed soon, maybe in the offseason or just more 
uh, detail behind the scenes and, and that'll be to be determined. But that that's unfortunate that Jalen didn't get more time to go down the field. And who knows? Maybe you're right. Kansas City still walks away. They did put, put up a clinic credit to him in the second half. Um, Andy Reid, it was just just master class. Um, the way he was uh, running that second half for this team and, and just credit to them all around. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I want Cincinnati in the big game, want them to finally hold a Lombardi. But right now the Chiefs are the standard and uh, the only team that really has competed with them over the past two years is the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm sure we'll, we'll see that again next year in regular season and maybe in the playoffs. But I kind of want to look at what, Kansas City has, and you look at the picture for the AFC and the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a really good draft last year and really started to pay attention to that late in the season. You can look at the defensive side of the ball. They get rid of Tyreek Hill. They go into this draft right now with 11 picks. Um, and, you know, if they have another draft class, they've learned to, hey, we paid our quarterback because there are a lot of people who have that theory. You pay your quarterback, you're not going to be able to pay the people around them. They get rid of Tyreek Hill last season, get a few draft picks. They have a solid offensive line, a D line, and they're in really good position right now in the AFC. And I just think for Cincinnati, you still have that talent. But the big picture is if you want to be in the Super Bowl and you want to win a Super Bowl, that those trenches, offensive line, defensive line, you have to draft well. Um, maybe it's not all about the free agents as it is the developmental pieces that you're going to continue to build with the front office and then these drafts. Yeah, what they have like seven or eight um, rookie contract starters on defense. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> um, Bengals on the other end of that, what they've got. Wilson and Pratt this year, and they'll have probably a King Davis Gaither next year. Um, Cam Taylor Britt. Is that it? <laughs> I mean, and then Dax Hill here and there. but Yeah, Dax Hill for next year. I was kind of doing yeah. this year, but uh, yeah, for next year, you can insert Dax Hill. So it does gain one. <laughs> Maybe they draft one in the first round. That guy will be a starter. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, for the Chiefs to have that many is is wild. Um, and I, I think the Bengals are on kind of the other end of like they have a lot of non rookie contract starters on defense just because they bought a lot of those guys knowing they needed a big overhaul. But yeah, that, you draft really well, you get to save money, and that's what happens when you got to pay the quarterback. And Mahomes is like a sixteen fifty million dollar cap hit this season. It's it's big. Yeah, it's huge for for a lot of teams in the AFC. And I just think overall with going into this offseason, we've talked about it before. Um, I I don't mind going and spending a little bit of money on the D-line. It's one of the things that we've noticed over the last two years. Either they go really heavy in free agency on the defensive side of the ball and they draft their offensive guys or it's vice versa. And I think really they're still in a position when it comes to this draft to get the best player available. I know we're going to get into some of the playmakers offensive side of the ball. Running back has been a topic of conversation in our next segment. But I just think right now at this point, your offseason goals maybe you go make a splash on one more player because the Joe Burrow contract doesn't really impact a whole lot until it could be two years. They have two more years in this window before Joe's contract really starts to hit when it comes to the cap space. And that's only going to grow, which is great news for Cincinnati. And it's going to do it all around the NFL too. Yeah. um, Well, what was, what did YouTube pay for the, for the Sunday ticket? Like $3 billion or something. Yeah, cats, yeah. Going up. cats going up. They're just doing that for Sunday ticket. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is the biggest the window will be. I think we've talked about that. It's a big reason why you don't trade T Higgins and make the window smaller, even if it helps you in the future. I, I think you just try the next two years to really win the big one and you'll still be able to compete. You'll still be a, a contender after that because of, the quarterback and the talent, but that's when things get a little bit harder to navigate, which also means that this draft, last year's draft, next year's draft, pretty important, pretty important for the success of the future. And that doesn't mean like because you have to give those guys second contracts, but being able to save a little money here and there so that 
you can afford the expensive pieces. It's it's big. Um, so yeah, this draft's big. We're getting getting close, uh, closer and closer to it. It feels like I don't remember when was the combine like early March. I don't know. I don't care about the combine. I'm gonna be one the of underwear those underwear Olympics. I, you don't love it. I just don't care. Someone said that to me today. I was like, you know what? I think I'm good on NFL events until free agency really gets here. Um, that's fun. I love free agency. The first day of free agency is my favorite on social media because every fan base is mad. Their team didn't make a move right away when they could. And then it all happens in like 24 to 48 hours. But I, I, this is probably one of my favorite times because I want NFL free agency to be like the NBA sometimes. NFL is king, but just how crazy it gets with all of the different signings and, you know, even during the trade deadline for the NBA, I'm all about it. So, um, no, I I want, you know, since I need to make one more splash, I think you can do it on one more player. And I think we can agree that you've got to fix your pass rush. That's still concerning. I want them to put pressure on the quarterback because I am jealous of a lot of AFC North teams being able to get to the quarterback. And they still terrify me that when Cincinnati has to face them two times a year, um, you want that on the other side of the ball. It's okay. It's fine. But one more splash guy, maybe in free agency, a two-year deal, depending on if the money's right. I think you can do it this offseason. I think a lot of people, they, they see the Joe Burrow extension that could that's more than likely going to happen in the next few months is like, oh, no, you you can't sign another big defensive guy. Um, you have to save your money. And, and I, I disagree. I think it's, it's maybe one more year on a big splash that you can do in free agency on the defensive line. Yeah, um, that's why I'm a big proponent of signing a Javon Hargrave to like a it'll probably be like a three-year deal but it's really a two-year deal and he gets the third year if he plays extremely well type thing but yeah I don't know I I really like that idea there the counter argument seems to be they're already spending a lot of money on the defensive line my counter argument is I don't care like <laughs> I'd like another pass rusher like who cares they're saving so much money on linebacker it doesn't mean I got to spend on linebacker they're saving a lot of money at wide receiver I'm certainly not spending any money at wide receiver they they're not paying safeties much so they got cheap labor coming in Dax Hill until he has to get paid. Uh, so yeah, I, I my counter argument to the idea, I don't know. It probably makes sense. It is something to look at. They're not spending money in the secondary, so maybe they'll throw money in the secondary. My mindset is just I don't care. Like I, I want to put my money in the piece that I think is going to give the biggest value. And to me, that biggest value would be an interior pass rusher. So my second best pass rusher in the biggest game of the year isn't my nose tackle. I mean, you look at the teams that they've lost to in the last two years in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, and there's one reason, or there's a lot of reasons, but, uh, you know, you look at a Chris Jones, you look at Aaron Donald, like you you, you lost because of those guys too, They're in big, huge moments, and I, I want that on my team. And maybe Chris Jones isn't the best comparison uh, because there are plenty of guys, as I've already mentioned, in the AFC North. But we'll move on. Let's talk about prospects next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Bengals underscore Sands over on Twitter. You break it down all season. The season might be over, but you are just getting started in the offseason breakdowns. Plenty of NFL prospects. And I know Bengals Twitter, I feel like it's... 50 50 it's not the jamar chase panay soul arguments going on when it comes to draft picks when you're drafting at 28 versus in the top five but there are a lot of people who say offensive line you got to go offensive line and then sprinkled in that there's running back prospects we went over a few last week if cincinnati did not go running back at 28 and you looked at the second and third round give me some guys that might be on the board for them Okay. Um, so I think a guy that I'm wondering about the Cincinnati fit, because when you think about the Cincinnati fit, it is like a complete back that it seems like everybody wants. They want a guy that can pass protect a guy that's explosive, a guy that can run well from the shotgun, a guy that can make guys miss in my mind. I'm like, you're describing like the only guy that can do all of this is the guy you'd take at 28. Like I said last week, surprisingly good pass protector for a five-star. This is the best running back uh, high school recruit. Uh, so B. John Robinson, he could do all that for you. But uh, the rusher, receiver, et cetera, 
I don't know exactly the value that Zach Charbonnet can give you in the passing game, but I love him as a runner. He, the other issue is I don't know the top end speed. Like if he ran a four six, I wouldn't be shocked because he gets caught from behind a bit in college, but he's so athletic other than that, like agility and like making big explosive cuts. It just feels like he's just constantly playing with like one of those race car parachutes that shoots out when they hit like a certain speed or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so he's awesome. Other than that, uh, he reminds me of Bengal. Cedric Benson, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, like powerful. He's like 220 something pounds. Um, there's a lot of his awesome jump cut. And then the complete opposite end of that is a guy that was listed under 200 pounds, got up to 204 for the senior bowl, Tajay Spears. Hope I'm saying any of these names right. Great thing about watching films, I get all these good angles. Bad thing, I don't hear anybody's name. So mm-hmm. Tajay Spears, um, I only watched a couple games because it's hard to find Tulane film, guys. I'm sorry. But they had a couple big games. Um, and he's awesome. I'm surprised he was not seen as a day two guy earlier because he's clearly a third round pick to me. I think he's got juice. Uh, we'll see what the 40 is. It matters, especially for these small school guys where, yeah, he's breaking away from Tulsa, but can he break away from the NFL guys? Yeah, I don't know. But I watched a game against Cincinnati, and this guy does awesome job reading, setting up his blocks. He's very shifty, elusive, and he has that top-end speed. It's it's like all there. I wonder about the pass protection, just because he's like 200 pounds or so. Mm-hmm. Um Next guy on my list. I'm actually going down the list. I also had a day two grade on Tank Bigsby, five-star recruit, Auburn. Wonder again about – none of these guys are asked to pass protect. That's like the big thing is like a lot of these guys, college coaches are kind of just like, and you run to the flat. (laughs) They're like, you are not part of this. You are not part of the protection. I'll have a tight end in there instead. So I don't see these guys pass protect too much. um, So I wonder about that. He's very elusive. Only thing that I think he's worse than the other two is like he does kind of have the I like to bounce or cut things all the way back and try to trust my athleticism type thing. So I wonder a little bit about the vision, although I don't think it's bad. I think it's more so he trusts himself a little too much. So you kind of got to coach that out of him a little bit. Just like hey, take what's there, man. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't need to try to do everything on your own. But I find him interesting. Um other names, Roshan Johnson, he is a very tough one because he was the backup to Bijan Robinson, but he's a big guy. He can pass protect. He they use him like a fullback. He can lead block if they want. Kind of if you if you get rid of a Samaj P Ryan, this guy could step into that role. Although I don't know if I would trust him as like the lead horse. Uh Kendra Miller is a guy I like a lot because he moves a little different at being like 230 pounds or so. He's explosive, he has top end speed. Um spotty vision sometimes but everything else is there it um and then just a few other guys i'll just do real quick chase brown does have probably the he was probably the fastest him and devin archain were the fastest of the running backs i watched like if you really want that breakaway speed they uh chase does a really good job setting up his blocks devin here and there i didn't watch too many games with devin though and so if you just want like a guy that can get you those explosive runs, because that's something Cincinnati was missing. I think that those two are really good, hopefully day three looks. Um, and then another guy that was a five-star recruit, but the, if we're going to get into like the two guys, I'm not, Zach Evans is very elusive. I think he does a good job with that. Very spotty vision. And I think he was the worst pass <laughs> passing down back I saw. He had terrible pass protection when he was asked. Like I remember one – he made like this half half baked cut block attempt. <laughs> he just kind of like fell down. It was one of the funniest clips I have, I think, of one of these guys. Uh, because a lot of times they get railroaded, they get run over, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, that happens. This one was kind of like, oh, that's my guy. Uh, I tried, coach. What do you what do you want? <laughs> and then he was losing his job over the course of the season, too. And then um Kenny McIntosh is fascinating. He to me is he doesn't have the top end speed for like these scat backs that are big receivers. So I'm not that into it, but I could see like a Danny Woodhead type career for him 
um, because he is one of the better pass catchers and route runners, which usually isn't that important, but when they can move really, really well and do stuff, I, I'm into it. So there is a quick rundown of like every running back. Whoa, I'm going to make you play the guessing game right now. What is more likely to happen by the time we get to September, right before regular season starts? Joe Mixon is still on the team making his 12 million and they draft a late round running back or Joe Mixon is restructured to about half of that, maybe $6 million and they bring some AJP running back or three Joe Mixon is no longer there. They draft a running back in the second round and bring maybe some AJP running back on a team friendly deal or none of that. In my mind, most likely, I hope it's not too much pessimism. I think that Joe Mixon's back. Um, and man, they don't really restructure that often. They don't. Although this is that I could see it. I'll say option one might be the most likely. Although I do think they're really in the market for a running back. Um, and the thing that's really gonna make people upset that talk about the running back pay. They could draft a round two, round three running back and keep Joe Mixon at the price point. Like that is certainly within the realm of possibility. And I don't think most people want that, but that is, it's there. That That is certainly an option, I think, um, because they draft like a year ahead. You think of when they drafted Mixon, Jeremy Hill was the week one starter. Um, when they, it seems like when they draft these guys, it, it's just like a year out. Um, when Gio was drafted, it was still Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis taking a majority of those snaps. And that was a round two pick. Both those guys are round two picks. So they don't care that much about if they draft a guy in round two, round three, that he's got to be like the main guy year one. The money allocation would be a bad usage of resources, though. What I would want depends when they go. But like if you are going to take a guy round one, round two, I just think you can't have mix in there as well. But we'll see if they do that. Um, if you take a guy's like round three through five, you kind of maybe want to bring Mixon back, but at a lower cost. I don't think, I don't think in general Mixon should come back at like the $12 million mark. No, I agree with that. And you bring up a good point. A lot of people throw the word restructure contract in during the off season for the Cincinnati Bengals. They, did, they don't do that. But the thing is, this front office does a lot of things different over the last two years. And when it comes to the other extensions they're working on and where they could save some of that money, I do think that you bring it up to Joe Mixon. He talked about it this past season. He wants to be in Cincinnati. And I think you're in a really good spot here. There, there's a loaded draft class and there are a lot of free agent running backs that a lot of teams are going to sign. So you have that conversation with Joe Mixon. Look, you're in a good spot with this offense. You have Joe Burrow as your quarterback. We're going to bring you back, but we're going to have to cut it in half or at least be around $8 million, say $4 million. I think that's a conversation that would be fair from the Bengals front office. And I'm not, I don't mind that Joe Mixon comes back. Um, you obviously want to see more production, but at the same time, we kind of said that said it with Lyle Collins. He was probably playing some of the season with an injury. He did come back, played okay at times, but it just it wasn't good enough. The run game wasn't good enough for this offense. And I watched the Super Bowl in Kansas City, and I'm like, all right, I'm a little jealous of the run game right now. And Cincinnati has to figure something out. And with it being a loaded class, you you just said like 10 to 12 running backs in a three-minute period of time. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you brought up a lot of good running backs that this team could possibly get. Maybe it's not at 28. Maybe it's um, on day three. It's in the third round. And, and I don't, I just, you know, I don't know what this front office is thinking. I still think you're in a position to get the best player available. And they don't care what the outside thinks. If there's an offensive lineman, D lineman there, and they're like, hmm, that offensive playmaker is better. I'm going to get the running back. I'm going get, to get the tight end. So I don't know what the front office is thinking. We're going to find out a whole lot in the next couple months. But I want to move on to the tight end position because that's another one that this team has Mitch Wilcox coming back. And I don't know if they're going to bring Drew Sample back and Hayden Hurst. He might earn a two-year deal on another team unless they can figure something out to be team-friendly. If they do draft a tight end, where do you see that happening? And tell me if you've been watching any Michael Mayer and the reason he's probably not going to be there at 28. I haven't watched Mayer yet, so that one's got to wait. Okay. I tried to I tried to look. That I gotta I gotta hit some people up about that. But uh I watched uh, uh Darnell Washington 
which is he's like 6'8", 280. Um, but yeah, um, the tight end, if they draft, I think they're interested because I thought they were really interested last year and they just didn't get one where they wanted it. I think they would be more aggressive this year, but I don't know. I think free agency is going to play into that. Do they get Hayden Hurst back on a two-year deal? Because then they're probably a little bit less aggressive, although I would still say be aggressive. Um, you can still utilize that guy if you get one in round two. Uh, I would think day one, day two, I don't – day three, whatever. Uh, I, they could do it. To me, it would be fine. I I, I don't know. Well, I guess we got to see. Some day three guys really pan out. I thought um, Isaiah likely wasn't a day three. I thought he was a day two guy, but he went on day three, and he did great for the Ravens. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I watched Darnell Washington just to give the, the quick on him. Ginormous. Really, really good blocker. Like, I don't often think that the guy that gets listed as like the best college tight end blocker is really that dominant. This guy's this guy's awesome. He's he's killing. He's an extra tackle, and he's killing guys in the run game. And anytime he gets out in space, he's putting corners on their back. And I just think he loves doing that. It it does remind you a little bit of the you know the the high end. Blocking only, but you know, like the George Kittle, like laughing while he's like slamming corners into the ground. Like that's what I imagine Darnell Washington is doing for the most part. As a receiver, I think is where it's interesting. He's not super athletic, but he can move. Um, I think the really obvious comparison is a Mercedes Lewis for the entire career, where Mercedes Lewis was always fine as a receiver, and not anymore really. But you know, when he was in Jacksonville, he was like a fine receiver. Where he gave you the value, though, was that he was an extra offensive tackle on the field, and that's kind of what Darnell is. He's so big, he's he's tackle sized, and when he's doing tight end block stuff, he can pass protect too. I was surprised how much they trust him doing that, but yeah, yeah awesome. I, I I like him a lot. Twenty eight. I don't think it's a bad pick. I think it'd be mm-hmm. a little tough because you you wonder a little bit like what is the actual ceiling here if he's not very athletic. Um, he, he, he's a little lumbery. He's a little uncoordinated. He does have some drop issues as well, but I can see the vision because it still works. Like he still was a, when they asked him to do receiver things, he still could do it. He could release at the first and second level. He's so big and strong guys try to put their hands on him. He just kind of like runs through it. He could run after the catch. It's just, he kind of claps when he tries to catch the ball. Like his hands are kind of far apart. You want that a little bit tighter and just kind of, softly catch it and he kind of is a little bit of a clapper and i think that leads to double catches and some drops but he's interesting i i like him i i'm not fully opposed at 28 if there's any type of trade back scenario early second mm-hmm. i like that more but at the same time sometimes you just take the guy you trust and the guy you need and if he's a guy you need if you have a hayden hurst back then he doesn't need to be the the field stretching tight end type thing. He probably won't be my favorite tight end overall, but I like him. Um, and if you could give him a second round, probably won't happen. Uh, that would be ideal, but hey, that's, that's why it doesn't happen is because like everybody probably think that <laughs> like, yeah, if I can get the guy in the second. Yeah, I, I agree with two things. Uh, you bring up blocking and what scares a lot of people away when you talk about the offensive line, look, right tackle is still a big question mark going into the 2023 season. That's something either you need to draft or you pick it up in free agency. And I don't know what's going to happen with Lyle Collins. We don't know how he's doing and what that recovery is going to look like for him going into next season. But a tight end can block too. Uh, people need to realize that not only is that a weapon out there, but if they can block, that's going to be huge for protection in this offensive line. So I think something that you need to watch out for in this draft, but at the same time, I agree with you. This team, I don't think that they would trade up, but I think they would trade out of the first round, depending on what it looks like, because you get the quarterbacks off the board. Um, there's going to be offensive linemen up there. It really doesn't feel like a loaded wide receiver class. So that might be, you know, mid to late round for a lot of teams. Normally that's pretty stacked at the top. We don't know what it's really going to look like, but Hey, if things start to work out and a few of their guys are there, I don't have a problem at all moving really early into that second round. And maybe you do get your guy and you feel, Hey, I get two picks right now. And depending on what you trade trade back for, maybe that's in the third or even stays in the second round. So I don't know. I, I like that idea. I could see them trading out versus trading up, to be honest. 
Yeah, my thought on that is uh, we don't have uh, a ton of recent evidence mm -hmm. of the Bengals picking this late in the first round. Like back when mm -hmm. the 2010s, they were picking late in the first round, but it was like 21, 23, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Now it's like 28, 30 in there. To me, that's a little bit closer to early second round, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is also why I, I'm kind of okay with thinking of Bijan Robinson because I almost value this like an early second round pick. But what have they done in the second round? They trade down, they get Joe Mixon. They trade down, they get Jesse Bates. They trade down, they get Drew Sample. They trade down, they get Jackson Carmen. But they trade down a lot in the early second round. So I could see it. I could see them trading down from the late first round, which is the most annoying thing that could happen on draft night that I stay up. I watch the entire thing to get to pick 28, and then it's sent away, and I have to wait an entire day for the actual pick. But it's something they could do. And uh, I don't think it's a bad move. I just, I think I'd be annoyed in the moment. Uh, it, it's yeah. probably a good move depending on who's there. Like, that's the thing is that you could be stuck with no real blue chip talent there. No, like, oh, that guy fell. So then you kind of get into the next bucket of guys. And all these guys are like, yeah, this pick's okay here. But if we trade down 10 spots and we've got 12 guys, why wouldn't we do that? You know, like we got 12 guys in the same bucket. Let's just trade down about 10 spots and we'll get one of them. Um, and hopefully they have a little bit more success. <laughs> one more quick thing. Beyonce okay. put up a Steelers thing that is in my back. I see it. I see it. I didn't want to say anything, but there is. If I hate you could watch this what right this? now. There, There is a Steelers picture in the corner. And I know that your fiance is a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Nick, producer, Steelers fan. And I, I, I feel know like what this was, I feel like this was on purpose. I, I, I thought well, because we just we oh we just yeah we just did <laughs> we just cleaned up the upstairs and, and like fixed it up <laughs> so I think that just got put up I there. Mean, I thought your camera angle was just bad today, and I was like, well, maybe he doesn't notice it. It's like but the same. Know. I don't know. I don't mess with the camera angle too much. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we get it. I see Bengals helmets and a wall over there where your head is. So don't worry. We know um, We know how you feel about the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just the AFC North back there. We got the AFC North. You're just supporting the division. Uh, but no, plenty of stuff. Make sure you check them out. Bengals underscore Sands over on Twitter. Great breakdowns. is going to be doing it all offseason. Free agents, draft picks. And we'll get into more position groups next week. Next, let's talk about the carousel in the coaching world for Zach Taylor's coaching tree on. It's always game day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. If you missed that last part of the second segment, Mike noticed that there were some Bengals uh, memorabilia on the wall. And before we got into this Steelers segment, he, memorabilia. I mean, uh, Steelers. The oh, my God. It's fine. He loves the Bengals, but uh, the Steelers <laughs> stuff, he went to move it. That's for all the Bengals fans listening. He is a true, dedicated, breakdown football fan watcher of the Cincinnati Bengals, and it is gone. We're moving on to the coaching carousel. It's been a good weekend for the offensive side of the ball. Ryan Callahan, and I need to take this back a little bit because I, I feel bad when I'm happy that a coordinator didn't get a head coaching position because we've said it before on here. I want these guys to get that opportunity to be a head coach. They deserve it. Um, having the same coordinators in back-to-back -back years during Joe Burrow's time here is absolutely huge on the offensive side of the ball. Ryan Callahan isn't getting the Indianapolis Colts job. He's going to be back as the offensive coordinator. Dan Pitcher interviewed with Tampa Bay for their offensive coordinator position. He's going to be back as the quarterback coach for now. Troy Walters did interview for the offensive coordinator position in Houston. Everything's not officially official, but it looks like Troy Walters is going to be back for the wide receiver room. And I think that's absolutely huge for this offense. Yes, when you have talent like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd in the wide receiver room, Joe Burrow, uh, that's always really nice for your offense. But coaching matters too and I think in the future of the offensive coordinator position in Cincinnati that Dan Pitcher could be the future guy if Brian Callahan gets a job next year and to have him already on staff is going to be huge for this offense so they're staying and I feel like that was a good weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals yeah and as of 7 46 p.m we still don't know about Luana Rumo could be everybody back. We were worried a little bit about the doomsday scenario brain drain. It seems like everybody could be back. Um, I still 
with Lou up in the air, it's like I, I can't chalk this up as a complete victory yet for the Bengals, but I I don't know. I, I think this is great for the offensive side, though. I, I mm-hmm. think they're in a great spot. Um, Brian seems like he's back. Uh, you know, all these all these guys are back. That's great. <laughs> Quarterback coach, wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, all very important. Let's get the same offensive staff doing increasing, you know, like the scheme, the getting these guys in better positions. They've been getting better every year in week to week, really, at doing this type of thing. So getting those guys back is is big i just i'm not fully yet on the win because the biggest one is the defensive coordinator because i don't think they i don't know if they have a guy in-house so much to make that change um and we will see if they can manage yeah and i tried to avoid bringing his name up i'm I'm not trying to jinx anything to get excited that maybe lou is back uh, it's kind of just a, a different situation. The Super Bowl is in Arizona. They're going to interview Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're in a position where they're meeting today. Lou had his interview on Friday, his second interview. That was via Zoom. I can't remember if the first interview was in person or if it was Zoom too. I think they were both Zoom, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So it's just kind of an odd position. Cincinnati's obviously waiting for this decision. They'd love to have Lou and Arumo back on the defensive staff. <laughs> a lot of AFC teams would love for Lou to get the job in Arizona because they don't want to deal with him, including the Super Bowl champions, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, it's just one of those things. I agree with you. I think the two most important coaching positions on this team would be number one besides Zach Taylor. Cause I want to give him credit. A lot of people are, uh, they were, they were down on him early in the season, but he had himself his, I would say his best coaching year. Um, and that they didn't even go to the Super Bowl. but I would say that Dan pitcher and Lou Anarumo are your two most important people to bring back. And that is no offense to Brian Callahan because he's absolutely a huge part of this offensive, um, quarterback room, offensive coordinator, and with working with Joe Burrow. But I'm thinking of the future of that position, and I think Dan obviously working with Joe is extremely important, Um, that those are your two biggest ones to get back. And I'm just feeling like 50-50. I have no clue where Arizona is going right now. I feel like they're going to make their decision by Tuesday. You know, the Super Bowl is over, all the recap of the game, and now it's like, okay, announcement time before you get into combine and then – free agency, all of that stuff's going to happen really fast. They're going to have to make a decision soon. Uh, but as we're recording this, as you mentioned, it's it's Monday night around 749 Eastern time, not mountain time in Arizona. We don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue where Arizona is going with this. Yeah. Um, gut says Gannon uh, will be the choice just because of how long they've waited and I feel like if you are hiring Louie Anderson, why wouldn't you just hire him before the Super Bowl and let him get a little bit of a head start on what he wants to do, what he introducing himself to the guys. You remember the Bengals had issues because they hired Zach Taylor so late because he was in the Super Bowl, and they ran into issues of, like, filling out the staff. Everybody else got to fill out their staffs, and he was kind of, like, scrambling to get guys. So why wouldn't you give Louie Anderson the extra – two weeks like that's the big one i mean i guess they were still interviewing kafka and all those other guys like last week so maybe just a one week head start but a head start nonetheless so why wouldn't you give them that head start instead of doing this whole thing unless it was that you're hiring the guy in the super bowl because that's that's what i think it is that's what makes sense in my brain but that might not be the case who knows yeah, I, I legit, I don't know where they're going. I thought, you know, it's an offensive league with Mike Kafka, and then he was getting the endorsement from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid during Super Bowl week, and I was like, you know what, Kyler needs that offensive mindset, but at the same time, you know, Lou is going to be a great head coach when he gets that opportunity, and it feels so late because he deserved it for, you know, even last season he should have had more interviews. And to get them so late with Arizona, it really felt like that news broke after the AFC Championship game that, hey, he was going to be interviewing with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, You know, if the Cardinals miss out on him, great for Cincinnati because they get Lou back. But I would say that's a miss on their part. But at the same time, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you're kind of waiting till after the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is in Arizona. You're meeting with them in person today. We have no updates right now. It's been pretty quiet in Arizona of what's going to happen, where they're leaning. Um, just even talking to people who cover the team, they're like, 
I thought it was Mike Kafka. Then I felt like it was Lou. And now we have Gannon because the Gannon stuff came out the day of the Super Bowl. Um, there was a reason. I think a lot of people were hinting, hey, they're probably going to interview one of the offensive or defensive coordinators. Then you heard Indy's going in the OC. Are you surprised with kind of how, because they had a lot of defensive coordinator interviews. Are you surprised with how defensive coordinator heavy Arizona is going with this position? I do think they're one of the spots that's really going to look at that because they just did the young offensive mind in Cliff Kingsbury. And they probably, they probably want like a full different culture. I would think like, mm -hmm. uh, like a Lou Anarumo that's, you know, he coached at the Navy coming up. He's, he's a little bit more no nonsense than uh, some of these offensive guys who are a little bit more laissez faire types when it comes to being the coach, players, coaches, and not to say that Lou's not a player's coach, just that I think he's going to be a little bit more discipline oriented um, than those guys, not Belichickian, but you know, like just, I think he's going to, try to run a more tight ship and uh that might be true of jonathan gannon too because these defensive guys kind of lean a little bit more that way i think they're a little bit less uh player heavy although i guess marvin lewis was always a huge players coach but yeah that, i i do think that they're one of the teams that this makes a little bit more sense because of their history their recent history but i'm a little bit surprised always because you know, if you could find an offensive guy that's like that, I feel like that is what they actually want. They've got the young quarterback. They've got uh, a team like that. And it just seems like the NFL wants those guys. Like, that's all they really want. Um, so, yeah, I'm surprised, but I'm not. This isn't one of those spots that kind of shocks me about it just because of they went through this with Kingsbury the past couple of years. The fan base, if you're you're looking at Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles, they're pretty much like, get them out of here. We don't want them after that Super Bowl and just kind of feeling a certain way with Gannon, forgetting about the whole entire picture of the season. And then they're like, uh, Lou Anarumbo was able to stop Patrick Mahomes. He knows how to stop him with less talent on the defensive side. If you're the GM of the team, are you looking at last night's game and saying, all right, this is kind of concerning in the biggest game of the year. You had two weeks to prepare for this guy. I think you should take it into account, um, but really, I think I think you're you're going to look at the whole picture here. You're going to look at the qual the not just one game, but entire season plus of work, which really he only has the one really really good season, so that doesn't always play that well into it. But he's younger, so I think that plays a factor. We'll see. I. I think it should play a little bit of a factor that, you know, this is the biggest game of your life and say what you want about the Bengals losing, but it wasn't because the defense played poorly. The defense played pretty well other than that last drive, which included no look passes. And, you know, I don't know. I guess they know they didn't put their Eli Apple on <laughs> Travis Kelsey to lose the game type thing. So maybe, maybe that goes against Lou, but overall in the game, I thought Lou had a better Super Bowl. This Chiefs offense is probably a little bit better than that Rams offense. So that should play a little bit of a factor in that. But Lou's always going to go against the Chiefs too. So I don't know. Like It should play a little bit of a factor. I just think they're going to look so much at the big picture here rather than just what happened. <laughs> that may be a question. You're like, you think you did a good job here? Yeah, I think bringing Lou back, I mean, not bringing Lou back, of course, they're going to welcome him with opening open arms if he comes back to Cincinnati. They're like, whoa, please get here. We're going to Ruby's. Uh, but when when Lou, I think what is important about Lou on the staff next year is you have a guy like Dax Hill in his first real season without Jesse Bates and what Lou has been able to do with some of these guys. Look, I, I don't want to be down on him and be like, oh, they're they're not as good as Philadelphia's defense. When you think of some of the big names, they have talent on the Bengals defense. It's very underrated for some of these guys out here, but you're losing a guy like Jermaine Pratt. You're losing Jesse Bates. Those are just a few holes. And I, I have faith in a, a Keem uh, Davis Gaither and what he can do in the linebacker room. And then you still have Logan Wilson out there and I'm not down on Dax Hill. We, we haven't seen him out there enough, but I think having Lou out there is a difference maker for this defense. One more year. If you're running it back with all your offensive staff, 
to have Lou on the other side, I would feel really good about going into this next season because it is getting so late. Who are they going to bring as, and as a DC? Are they calling Notre Dame up and saying, hey, old pal, you want to come back and be the defensive coordinator for, for the Cincinnati Bengals? We just lost Lou and it's almost March. Um, you know, you're, you're in the situation where I don't know who you're calling and what's happening behind the scenes. They obviously know more in Cincinnati, but I think it's huge for Dax Hill's growth for this defensive side and, and being able to perform and, and stop some of these top dogs in the AFC to have Lou on the, on the sideline. Yeah, it, it certainly helps when you don't lose any continuity and you can just, as a rookie, step into that spot versus I feel like if that wasn't, you know, if it's a new defensive coordinator and maybe a whole new scheme because they don't have a guy in-house they love, um, now you got to learn a whole new thing. And, and he's not a rookie, he's a second-year player, but, you know, he learned, he spent the entire year learning what Lou wants and what Lou is looking for. And then if that changes, that kind of changes what he might want, what he's looking for, all these other things. Maybe they want to do a little bit different type of stuff, or maybe they, he has to spend a little bit of time learning the new language that they're going to teach. So I think it's it would help his transition um, as a safety to just step right in and be the same guy if lose there, uh, be the same guy, sorry, <laughs> play well. He wasn't, you don't want him to play the 200, 100 snaps, whatever he had again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, the, to come in and play really well, play up to his, what the standard is for safety play on the team. If lose there, if he's not there, it becomes a little bit more dicey on that. It, it's just an easier transition when you keep continuity. When you look at the secondary and cornerback room right now, Cheeto is going to be coming back towards ACL on Halloween night. You have Cam Taylor Britton a second year, which I feel like he's going to be really promising in the secondary. Eli Apple, do you feel like he's back if Lou's not here? I feel like he follows Lou. Because mm-hmm. it seems like Lou's the one who loves him, right? Like They hire a new guy you know, saying that he's going to want Eli Apple back. Also, they have – some corners, maybe they draft a guy. Um, we'll see. It's always up in the air. But I think he just follows Lou. He could come back. I think he likes Cincinnati. But I think what he loves is Lou. I think he wants to be a starting cornerback. And he still can be in this league. Uh, I know people are down on him. And he's a little active on social media at times. But at the same time, I felt like he was okay in the secondary. He wasn't the worst player on the field at times and he had to step up when Cheeto went down. So that was a huge deal. I was really worried about the season when Cheeto was down. I was like, there's, how are they going to survive? And then they go off and win 10 games in a row uh, without their best player on the defensive side of the ball, which is extremely impressive. But I agree with you. I think it's more of if Lou's back, maybe he's back for a depth piece and you know, he really wants to be a part of this team because it is special. It's young. And when you have Joe Burrow, even on the defensive side of the ball, I think a lot of guys want to stay here and and play here. But uh, yeah, the next, time we record a podcast which will be on thursday we're probably gonna know what's going on with lou where he's going if he's coming back i hope we're talking about lou back to cincinnati but even if he does get the job in arizona he more than deserves it and uh, we'll be really happy to to see what he does as a head coach but i know you're busy you got all bengals you're getting into off-season mode we already talked about the breakdowns over on social media what's going to be up on all bengals this week i'm thinking i'm going to start finally getting the prospect uh Things up. I didn't get them up last week. I don't know. It's tough. I was sick. Yes. <laughs> so I'm thinking you know, I'll get my first one up this week. Um, <clears throat> free agency starts soon, too. So part of me is like, let's wait till they sign a free agent. You got a whole lot to do there. Or, you know, like right before free agency type of like, look at this guy type thing. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Because it does make a little bit of sense to not break up prospect articles with a bunch of free agency articles and then back to prospect type stuff. So part of me thinks I might just stay with the head start on prospects and wait until I put out a, like a preview article article on a free agent or something. Make sure you check it out. Follow him on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Ellen Diaz Patterson. Thank you as always for listening to it's always game day in Cincinnati.